48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. The Justice Secretary moves to end a private prosecution against a policeman who shot a student last year. Another round of coronavirus relief measures is in the pipeline and the typhoon signal number eight is in force. Justice Secretary Theresa Cheng has used her powers to take control of a private prosecution against a policeman who shot a student with live ammunition in Sai Wan Ho last November with a view to having the case halted. A magistrate had agreed to summon the officer to face various charges, including shooting with intent to cause grievous bodily harm. Democratic Party lawmaker Ted Hoy, who initiated the legal action, says the Justice Secretary's intervention is clearly politically motivated. With the intervention and with the withdrawal, I'm furious. Firstly, because they has not explained at all as to the, uh, the reasons or the legal grounds behind of such intervention and the withdrawal. I think it's totally unacceptable. To me, it is overriding the rule of law with rule of man. And also, it undermines any citizen's right under the common law to launch any private prosecution in the future. It hits the rule of law so hard, and I urge the DFJ to explain to the public openly as to why they're doing this. The 21-year-old student who was shot was critically ill for a while and underwent surgery to remove his right kidney and part of his liver. The government says supermarket chains Welcome and Park and Shop will have to offer customers discounts if they want to make applications under a new round of wage subsidies this month. Meanwhile, property management firms seeking money from the coronavirus relief package will have to share at least 80% of the subsidies with owners or owner corporations. Labour and Welfare Secretary Lord Kwong says some types of businesses just aren't suffering as much as others during the pandemic. The employment support scheme is to help the employers to to help the community, in particular employment. But then there are definitely companies who obtain these uh, uh, subsidies. They are not seriously affected. So there is some need for them to sort of... Uh, pay back to the community. And so we designed some very special uh, procedures for these two sectors. The DAB party says it's not sure whether supermarket discounts will really help the needy. It says the two chains recently put up their prices and discounts might only bring them back down to where they were before. DAB lawmaker Vincent Cheng says it would be better for the government to require the supermarkets to directly share their subsidies with those who are struggling. It's very hard to say how much discount is a reasonable discount. So what we are suggesting is we put at least half of the resources to put it in the public, not only giving discount to fulfill the subsidy schemes. So I do think that's quite important. Otherwise, that will also affect different little supermarkets. Hong Kong reported 36 new coronavirus cases today, including a worker at One Gay Port Operation Services, the company at the centre of a major outbreak at the Kuaizhen Container Terminal. A security guard at the terminal has also tested positive on a preliminary basis. Dr. Chuang Shuk Kwan from the Centre for Health Protection says officials are not sure where this man caught the virus. Because uh, there's also community-acquired cases and uh, the number of workers in the Kuaiting um, uh, container terminal is a lot. So this person does not work um, related to the Wangge, the outbreak. So um, it's not related to other known cases at the moment. So we cannot um, be certain whether he acquired an uh, infection from the terminal or from the community. The observatory has issued the typhoon number 8 signal as severe tropical storm Ikos heads towards the coast of Guangdong. The storm has intensified and adopted a track closer to Hong Kong. 
At 11pm, Higos was centred about 110 kilometres south of Hong Kong and is forecast to move northwest or west-northwest at about 20 kilometres per hour towards the coast of western Guangdong. Here's senior scientific officer Gong Wai. There will be strong east to southeasterly winds, strengthening gradually overnight, cloudy with occasional heavy squally showers and thunderstorms. Winds will moderate later tomorrow. For the outlook, uh, looking ahead, there will be occasional showers on Thursday and easing off gradually later. The government says it's activated the flood alert system for Tai-O residents following the forecast by the observatory that serious flooding may occur there. The sea level at Tai-O may rise to 3.3 metres above chart datum or more at around 8am tomorrow under the influence of the tropical cyclone and may lead to tidal backflow and serious flooding in the low-lying areas of Tai-O. You're listening to RTHK. The time is now five minutes past 11. Beijing says new U.S. sanctions against telecom giant Huawei are an abuse of national power to block the rise of Chinese companies. The U.S. Commerce Department has barred an additional 38 Huawei affiliates from buying American computer chips and other technology, with Washington claiming Huawei is spying for Beijing. Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian said the sanctions are, have completely punctured the last pretense of market principles and fair competition that the U.S. has always touted. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says she's surprised to hear that some people are worried that Hong Kong's new national security law will be weaponized. She says it already is a weapon to be deployed against evil and wicked people. Timmy Sung reports. Over the past six weeks or so since the national security law came into effect, students, activists and media executives have been arrested. There are rumours that some Hong Kongers overseas are wanted men and a pro-democracy newspaper has been raided by the police. But Carrie Lam told reporters before going into this week's executive council meeting that she was surprised to read that somebody had warned the government against weaponizing the law. And that's because it is, in itself, a weapon, she said, a weapon of the rule of law. It is to warn the evil and punish the wicked, she said. Meanwhile, what has been weaponized, the CE said, is social media, because it is being used for doxing. It is exactly for this reason that a just law like the new legislation is needed, she added. Mrs. Lam was also asked about the sanctions that the U.S. has snapped on her and 10 other Hong Kong and mainland officials, which, among other things, has left her struggling to use her credit cards. She said the sanctions are totally unjustified. In asking that question, you too will feel that uh, uh, the, the leader of this uh, government has been um, uh, mistreated by the U.S. administration. Uh, but that never mind. Uh, as I said, despite some inconvenience in my, uh, uh, my personal affairs, uh, that um, is nothing that I will take to heart uh, at all. We will continue to do what is right uh, for the country and for Hong Kong. The CE said even though she's been hit with the sanctions, this doesn't mean her administration can't promote trade between Hong Kong and the U.S. through its offices and fire chambers of commerce. She also said the government will go to the World Trade Organization over Washington's recent actions. Meanwhile, Mrs Lam has backed new guidelines which state that civil servants on probation should be sacked immediately if they're arrested and charged for taking part in protests or illegal assemblies. Mrs Lam says the government has every right to dismiss workers who fail to meet its requirements. Priscilla Ng reports. 
Speaking before going into the weekly Executive Council meeting, Carrie Lam said the government has extremely high expectations of civil servants, not only in terms of their work performance, but also in relation to their professional knowledge as well as personal behavior and ethics. She said if an individual does not meet the government's requirements, the administration, as an employer, has every right to sack them. The CE also cited Article 6 of the National Security Law, which stipulates that all public officers need to uphold the basic law and swear allegiance to the HKSAR. She said it is very important to prevent those who breach government rules from becoming permanent staff. Once they move on to confirmation, uh, our rules and regulations make it very difficult for us to uh, dismiss a sort of permanent employment civil service. So this time round, the Civil Service Bureau has focused on the probationers. So advising the heads of departments uh, to make sure that they are monitoring and observing uh, not only the performance of the probationers on the job, but also their conduct, other behaviors to make sure that they will be good enough to continue to serve uh, the people of Hong Kong. Some civil service unions have expressed concerns about the government's stance, saying officials should not adopt a standardized approach for all staff. The Union for New Civil Servants says over the past year, when protests took place regularly, there were occasions where government staff were arrested while they were out having lunch. This, the union says, indicates that innocent people can be wrongfully arrested. It's urging the Civil Service Bureau to come up with clearer guidelines and adopt a more humane approach to avoid giving society the impression that the government is conducting political suppression. Rifts remain within the pro-democracy camp about whether or not they should join the extended LegCo session now that the next elections are 12 months away, if not longer. Traditional pan-democratic parties are minded to stay on in the council, saying a lack of opposition would allow the government to do anything it wants. But others are still mulling a boycott, as Francis Sitt reports. Pro-democracy lawmakers are having trouble reaching a consensus on whether they should stay or go when it comes to LegCo over the coming year. Despite a statement saying most of the camp's lawmakers are inclined to continue, some, including People Power's Ray Chan and Council Friend Chu Hoi-dik, want a boycott. They argue that the extension of Leshko's term is unconstitutional and lawmakers haven't been given a mandate to serve for an extra year. Pacific Party leader Elvin Young says a boycott would enable the government to pass controversial proposals, such as changes to election laws, at the speed of light without any resistance. Of course, there were times that we were not able to stop something extremely controversial. But still, voices were heard. People were still being represented in council. If no opposition voice in council, then all these highly, extremely controversial items, they will be passed easily. The government would claim that no opposition voice in council, and they have also got mandates from the people. Mr. Yuan says despite being the minority in Leshko, the pandems have been trying to delay and block contentious proposals, saying they did have some success with the now-scrapped extradition bill. He says a final decision will be made after looking at opinion polls and hearing from supporters. But he says it's also possible that a consensus won't be reached in the end. 
Democratic Party Chairman Wu Qiwai, who is also inclined to stay on, rejects claims that remaining in Leshko means accepting that lawmakers can be appointed instead of elected. Mr Wu says staying on would be the lesser of two evils, as a boycott could result in irreparable damage to society. He says if people are unhappy with whatever lawmakers choose to do in the end, they can always express their views in future elections. Asked about the matter before this week's Executive Council meeting, Chief Executive Carrie Lam says it's not for her to say whether lawmakers should continue serving for another year or not. She says she cares deeply about the relationship between the government and LegCo, and she will continue to treat lawmakers in the same manner. Mrs. Lam also announced that she will hold her next policy address on October the 14th and says she will consult people via video conferencing due to the pandemic. People Power's Ray Chan says a boycott would send a clear message to the world as well as to the central and SAR governments that the pandems do not support the extension of the LegCo term. Mr Chan says the pro-democracy camp could have done better in the past four years when it came to things like voting and attendance. He's urging those who end up staying to prove that LegCo still has its value. I hope the natural member who choose to stay in the council to continue the protests to try their best to do as much as possible. As someone said, if we live together, the bad bill or budget will be passed in a few minutes. If they stay, can procrastinate for several months. It all depends on the effort. I hope all of them, if they choose to stay, can keep this promise. Apple Daily founder Jimmy Lai has urged pan-democrats to stay on in the council until the next elections. Mr Lai, who's on police bail after being arrested last week under the national security law, made the call during an online question session. I don't think they can stop every bad bill, but at least they can stop some of them. At least if they can't stop, all the people in Hong Kong will see how they fight and how the other side are trying to throttle us. They should go on there. If we keep the legislative council vacuum of the pan-democrats, we just allow them to do anything they like within this year. If the last bit of possibility of saving part of Hong Kong, we still give up by vacuum out legislative council by resigning en masse, I don't think this is the right thing to do. A reminder of our top stories tonight. The Justice Secretary moves to end a private prosecution against a police officer who shot a student last year. The government says another round of coronavirus relief measures is in the pipeline. The typhoon signal number eight is in force as severe tropical storm Higos gets closer. And Beijing says new US sanctions against telecom giant Huawei are an abuse of national power to block the rise of Chinese company. The news from RTHK. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap program. Michelle Obama has launched a stinging attack on US President Donald Trump as Democrats prepare to crown Joe Biden as their White House challenger. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country, the former US First Lady said in a recorded message to the Democratic National Convention. Because of the coronavirus outbreak, Democrats scrapped plans for a crowded party extravaganza with balloon drops and all the other political razzmatazz. The BBC's Nick Bryant was watching the online event from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Just justice. Tranquility. 
This virtual convention has turned the Democratic Party into a political Netflix. We the people. We the people. An online streaming service that premiered last night with a genre-busting show that was essentially a two-hour advertisement. Welcome to the 2020 Democratic National Convention, Uniting America. It was hosted by the desperate housewife star, Eva Longoria Baston. We figured out a safe and responsible way to come together to share our ideas and talk about the future of our country. I hope that the new leadership takes American lives seriously. For the most part, it was sober programming, reflecting the mood of a country that's lost more than 170,000 of its citizens to COVID-19 and witnessed its most widespread racial turbulence since the late 1960s. The moment has come for our nation to deal with systemic racism. There was a moment of silence for George Floyd, the African-American suffocated by the knee of a white police officer, and reflections on the Black Lives Matter summer of protest from members of his family. It's a fitting legacy for our brother, but George should be alive today. But primarily, this has become the coronavirus campaign, and speeches doubled as indictments of Donald Trump's handling of the pandemic. Most electrifying was the heartfelt testimony of Kristen Akiza, who lost her father, a Trump supporter, to the virus. My dad was a healthy 65-year-old. His only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump, and for that, he paid with his life. Joe Biden received the endorsement of a prominent Republican, John Kasich, the former governor of Ohio, a key battleground state. Joe Biden is a man for our times, times that call for all of us to take off our partisan hats and put our nation first for ourselves and, of course, for our children. And there was a call for party unity from the leader of the Democratic left, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden's one-time rival. The future of our democracy is at stake. The future of our economy is at stake. The future of our planet is at stake. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. The climax of the evening was a scorching address from the former First Lady Michelle Obama that felt like it had taken four years to come to the boil. She framed the election as a matter of life and death in the most literal sense of all. If you think things cannot possibly get worse, trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this election. If we have any hope of ending this chaos, we have got to vote for Joe Biden like our lives depend on it. You know I hate politics, said Michelle Obama at one point in her speech, but she's emerged as one of its most effective practitioners. Donald Trump won the presidency partly by portraying himself as the anti-Obama. Hers was a speech that was passionately anti-Trump. Thank you all. God bless. The BBC's Nick Bryant was watching the online event from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The COVID-19 pandemic has not only affected the lives of human beings, but has also had an inadvertent impact on the local ecology. Environmentalists say they're concerned about a growing trend where parents who are eager to keep their children entertained are buying caterpillars to raise butterflies at home. The CEO of Environmental Association, Yao Wing Kwong, told Priscilla Ng that the situation is extremely worrying as it amounts to abuse. 
Well, it's not really common, uh, you know, for, for a long time. But uh, what happened is, I think, because of the COVID-19, the parents and the children like, got so bored at home, so they wanted something to do. And so uh, suddenly someone uh, offered them on on the website that they can uh, have uh, caterpillars for sale. And they're talking about 100 to $200 per caterpillar. So then they think that, oh, it may be a, a good thing to do and to learn about the biodiversity and also learn about the, uh, the how the butterfly emerged from the larvae. So then they start buying it from the, uh, from the, from the person who provided it. So, uh, but there is a big problem uh, behind all this. Uh, firstly, on ethically speaking, you are really taking away the butterfly, uh, the caterpillar from where it was born. Uh, may I compare it to, to the children of a young family? You know, it's like uh, if you have a, a baby and then someone take it away and put it under under observation purely for joy and uh, for observation. So. And, and then afterwards, when the caterpillar eventually, if lucky, turn into larvae and then emerges as an uh, adult butterfly, then would actually they will, you know, just uh, take it to to the to somewhere and you know throw it away. So if it is fortunate enough to find some uh, plants and leaves, then the butterfly will survive. If it is, uh, in turn, you you left it at a concrete jungle then the chance of the butterflies surviving is really slim. Do you think that this is some sort of abuse um, for the butterflies? It is uh, really an abuse, and it is also affecting our environment and the biodiversity and also the ecosystem. Now, if we are, if we are talking maybe just a, a couple of persons taking caterpillars from, from the trees, you know, uh, from the countryside, you know the effect may not be too large, but then if you if this becomes something really popular, and people will start going out into the countryside, taking caterpillars, uh, taking prawns, all this will create really a disaster to the ecosystem of Hong Kong. So that's why we are raising our voice and asking parents and children not to do that. If they want to see the how butterflies changes or uh, the transformation. We, we are putting uh, videos, uh, movies on our Facebook and on our YouTube so they can uh, have their observation there. And there's really no need to keep uh, a caterpillar or plants at their home. And also there's another problem is, uh, you know, caterpillars sometimes what they eat are from plants. Some of them actually eat plants that have some kind of uh, poisonous content. So that would cause allergies to some of the children or even adults so uh, also the plants that they used to feed the butterflies some of them people may be allergic to this plant so this is something that uh, you should really leave it to the expert if they want to do some research then then they would give some butterfly but that is not something that you would do it sort of every day in your home and are you also saying that, you know, really more public education is needed, not only for children, but also for parents, so that, you know, they know how to better respect um, the environment and ecology in general? Exactly, yeah, because really it's the parents, you know, they, they think that it is something good for the children, then they would do it. So actually what they're doing is they're taking away butterfly children for, for their enjoyment. 
So I think for education, uh, this is really the most important thing. And also another thing that we will be pushing forward is we will be talking to electoral members because the in you know the ordinance are really old in Hong Kong nowadays. So we it really need to be updated. For example, people want to trade whatever they want, they can do it on the website. There's no real control on that. So maybe that's something. Uh, we have to look at and also people maybe someone snatch uh, butterfly insects etc from the from the countryside then we, that should be a, a better ordinance and law to protect all these species Yao Wing Kwong from the Environmental Association is speaking to Priscilla Ng there the conservation group WWF has launched an initiative with a global association of financial crime prevention experts to tackle the problem of cross-border wildlife crimes the partnership with the Association of Certified Anti-Money Laundering Specialists, or ACAMS, aims to raise awareness among professionals from major banks, insurance companies and government entities. Brian Gonzalez, Head of Protection of Endangered Species at WWF Hong Kong, told Richard Pine how this will help uncover the crime syndicates that operate across borders. This partnership aims to equip the membership of ACAMS, all 80,000 members, on counter-illegal wildlife trade detection and uh, you know identifying suspicious transaction or or suspicious activities in their line of work so how does that close the gaps in the system that we have already well it's providing more awareness and how the crime activity operates what are the nodes or value chain points where we think the criminal elements are using and where they can play a role so it's really you know awareness raising within the industry that this, you know, that illegal wildlife trade is a serious crime, it's a serious issue, and that, that should be reported to relevant authorities. This partnership is mostly for the private sector. Those in the government, we will also be working with them eventually, meaning the FIUs, the financial intelligence units. In terms of what the government can do, what can they be doing sort of in parallel to this to make sure mm-hmm. that, you know, they were able to go after those sort of syndicates that may be operating across borders? Yeah, actually, we have to look at it in the policy uh, lens also. That here in Hong Kong, WWF, with the coalition of NGOs and partners, we are pushing for the uh, amendment of the OSCO, the the Serious and Organized Crime Ordinance, to include wildlife crime as a predicate offense, as a schedule under Schedule 1. It's not yet there. That's why it's very difficult to prosecute uh, wildlife traffickers uh, and to seize their assets and, uh, you know, to prosecute them under AML uh, laws here in Hong Kong. So we're doing that. But, of course, uh, you know, providing them more information or or awareness internally within the CED, the customs, AFCD or the police that, uh, you know, this is serious crime. They are well organized. But if we upgrade that OSCO ordinance to include the wildlife uh, crime, then the, the, the authorities would have, you know, they would have a more coercive authority to pursue uh, criminal cases and to, to, uh, to seize their assets and use AML laws uh, to prosecute them. Hmm. Even without that government policy change yet, will this initiative actually help other uh, law enforcement to, to find these people? Absolutely, because uh, wildlife crime is a polycrime. 
And what we've discovered is that, you know, they're highly organized. They're not only dealing with wildlife crime, they are into other uh, nefarious uh, activities. So when identifying financial transactions, you try to identify, you know, other, uh, and eventually you find out that they are into other crime uh, activities. So, yeah, it's, it's re- really, it's, uh, it's uh, heightening their awareness in this issue and really reporting them, uh, reporting these types of suspicious transactions to the financial intelligence units. So we still see a big role for the private companies. And, uh, you know, that's why we are partnering with the ACAMS. And they're a good partner. They're very also well-connected in the industry. And they are the AML experts. And that was Brian Gonzalez from WWF Hong Kong. What could be the highest temperature ever reliably recorded on Earth, 54.4 degrees, may have been reached in Death Valley National Park, California. The recording is being verified by the U.S. National Weather Service. It comes amid a heat wave on the west coast of the U.S., where temperatures are forecast to rise further this week. Randy Savaney is the World Meteorological Organization's rapporteur of weather and climate extremes. I think any one particular new record isn't maybe directly relatable to climate change, but when we get new record after new record after new record, that's indicating something is happening. And this particular temperature of 130 eclipses the last record, which was only set two years ago in Kuwait. So the idea that we are having a hotter planet is at least partially seen through these increasing records that are occurring. We are heating up. The planet is heating up, but that also causes circulation changes. In particular, it causes the large desert high-pressure systems to expand and get bigger. And so right now over the southwestern United States, there is this massive mass of air that is basically compressing directly over the southwest. And as it does so, as air compresses, it gets hotter. So it's a combination of having really high temperatures because the Earth is holding on to its heat more, but also because we're seeing more prevalence of high-pressure systems. Those stories were part of the Newswrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. The government is conducting a public consultation on the 2020 policy address. Please share your views on different policy areas. We are willing to listen and engage. For details, please visit the website www.policyaddress.gov.hk. Radio 3 Weather. As you heard earlier, the number 8 northeast storm signal was issued at 10.40pm. At 11pm, severe tropical storm Higos was centred around 110 kilometres south of us. It's forecast to move northwest or west-northwest at around 20 kilometres per hour towards the coast of western Guangdong. Winds near the centre are estimated to be 105 kilometres per hour, which is around 15 kilometres per hour up on the past hour or so. Higos will be closest to Hong Kong within the next couple of hours, skirting around 100 kilometres to the southwest of us. Winds over the territory are expected to strengthen further. The number eight is expected to remain in force for a period of time overnight and in the morning. 
In the past hour, the maximum sustained winds recorded at Waglan Island, Tate's Cairn and Chung Chow were 83, 64 and 51 kilometres per hour, with maximum gusts exceeding 95, 78 and 65 kph respectively. Also, owing to a storm surge, some low-lying areas may have flooding or backflow of seawater in the morning. A local forecast, cloudy with occasional heavy squally showers and thunderstorms, temperatures ranging 25 to 29 degrees, strong to gale force east to northeasterly winds becoming southeasterlies later and winds will moderate in the day uh, later on. The outlook, occasional showers on Thursday easing off later, sunny periods in the following few days. At the observatory it's 26 degrees, humidity at 93% and the amber rainstorm signal is in force. <laughs> Talking to myself and feeling old Sometimes I'd like to quit Nothing ever seems to fit Hanging around Nothing to do but frown Rainy days and Mondays always get me drowned What I they used to call the blues Nothing is really wrong Feeling like I don't belong Walking around Some kind of lonely cloud Rainy days and Mondays always get me down Funny but it seems I always wind up here with you Nice to know somebody loves me Funny, but it seems that it's the only thing to do Run and find the one who loves me What I feel is come and gone before. No need to talk it out. We know what it's all about. Hanging around. Nothing to do but cry. Rainy days and Mondays always get me Don't 